Comics in Motion is proud to be sponsored by Renovations Press, home of the world-renowned tracksuit man, the story about traveling to which we can all relate and something we've all missed this last year. Renovations Press continues to make the decades-long quest to bring quality, independent comics to the masses with three comics each year featuring the supergroup slash government experiment gone wrong, section 12. Click the link in the show notes for more information about how you can buy some high-quality, independent comics. And stay tuned because each time a new issue comes out in 2021, Comics in Motion listeners will be eligible to win free copies of Section 12. Click that link, check out Renovations Press, support them on Patreon. You'll be happy you did. What started as just an appearance on Indie Comics Spotlight has turned into an excellent partnership between Comics in Motion and Renovations Press. We look forward to bringing you some amazing content. Hi, my name's Steve. And I'm here to tell you all about the DC Comics News Podcast. Every week, my friends and I sit down and discuss everything DC. Movies, TV and streaming, comic books, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Whatever the case, you can find the DC Comics News Podcast on every podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere else you find podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. <laughs> Currently, DC is using the original version of Batman in Generation Shattered. The lead into this was seen in Detective Comics number 1027. From what we've seen so far, it appears that this was part of the 5G plan that was abandoned after Dan Didio's departure last year. If DC is promoting this as the original Batman, what does that mean? What is significant about this version of Batman? How is he different? How is he similar to the contemporary Batman? Classic Comics. My name is Matthew B. Lloyd. I'll be your host as we explore the world of comics before the advent of the Silver Age. I'm so happy to be part of the Comics in Motion Network. You can also find me at www.dccomicsnews.com, where I do weekly comic reviews and edit news stories. I'm also co-writer of chapters in both Politics in Gotham, the Batman Universe, and Political Thought, and an upcoming book on the Black Panther. Today, I welcome my first guest on Classic Comics, Mr. Steve J. Ray. He is the editor of the website DarkNightNews.com and a contributor to DCComicsNews.com. He is also one of the hosts of Comics and Motion's Superheroes or Dummies podcast. Steve lives in the UK, 
and Steve will show us how he is not the dummy today as he shares his knowledge of the Golden Age Batman. And hopefully we'll all gain some insight on this version of the Dark Knight before he was called the Dark Knight. You know that Golden Age character, right, Steve? The dummy? Have you heard of the dummy? I haven't, no. No? Uh-oh. We'll get to that quickly then. <laughs> Steve is... <laughs> I won't tell the other guys. <laughs> Steve is more than your average Batman aficionado. So after surprising Steve with his dummy question, we'll find out how Steve learned not to worry and love the Batman. Steve, welcome. Hi. Steve, welcome. Hey. So the dummy, you don't know who the dummy is? I he's don't. A gold, no. He's a, gold, he's a golden age DC villain of the vigilante. Ah. And, oh, and, the cowboy vigilante, the original yes. vigilante. Yes. Yep. Yep. And and believe it or not, he really is looks like a like a dummy, like a ventriloquist mannequin. So he has before that kind of look, Scarface. Uh, yes, yeah, decades yeah. before Scarface. Oh, I need to read Except, about this guy. Thank you. More except he's the, <laughs> except he's like the actual dummy. There's no there's no guy manipulating him. Ooh, yeah. So scarier. some of those. Yeah. Yeah. Shut it is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. So your first episode of Superheroes to Dummies was Batman. Is this episode one point five? Yeah. Why not? This is like the original Batman, where the other Batman came from. Excellent, excellent. Ground floor. Why don't you tell everyone how you uh, became such a huge Batman fan? Because it's obvious Oof. in all your stuff that you actually you love the Dark Knight. Oh, this this is um, something that helped keep me sane during a very lonely childhood. Um, growing up in the UK in the seventies, um, my parents had to work, so I spent a lot of time. It on my own and rather than go out and do things that uh, may have been dangerous I just read and read and read and my love for Batman started in the old British anthologies which I know you've developed a fascination for which mm -hmm. were black and white large size um, almost like the US Treasury edition sized comic books which collected like a horror strip a western strip a war strip and a couple of US reprints of superhero strips. So the comics I grew up with would have a, a Superman, a, a Spider-Man story in, in it, and a Batman story. So I never differentiated between Marvel and DC. I loved both growing up because I'd read about the Stanley Steve Ditko Spider-Man and the Dick Sprang Jerry Robinson Batman in one comic. Mm. And then of course. I have to say, even though I fell out of love with it in, in adolescent years and as an adult, the Adam West Batman TV show. But what really cemented my love for the characters when some uh, Canadian cousins came over with some American comics. And I witnessed for the first time the smaller, full colour, where one issue contained one giant story about the character. And it was Detective 457, a Danny O'Neill story called There Is No Hope in Crime Alley. Oh, that's a great story. I know that oh, story. Well, it changed my life. Um, that comic literally changed everything because I was used to the camp, funny, jovial Batman of the 60s and the TV show. And then all of a sudden, Crime Alley, why he was Batman. Oh, this is where I learned his origin because the TV show never told uh, you that. And no, it why didn't, he no. went out at night dressed as a bat. And for an eight-year-old kid, um, this was like, whoa. And I 
developed a kinship for the character because I, as I said, I was alone a lot. And this child was alone because some criminal had taken his parents from him in front of his eyes in an alleyway. So immediately I felt, oh, he was a kid when he started. Could I be Batman? Well, no, of course I couldn't. But (laughs) that's when I fell in love with the character and I saw the real Batman, the Batman we're going to talk about. Because back then was when DC were trying to restore the character to his darker roots, to the character that that Finger and uh, Kane envisioned back in the late 30s so yeah that's how it all started and i haven't looked back since um i've got a collection going back i've got a couple of issues from the 50s and 60s tons of reprints from before but i've got a completely uninterrupted run of detective and batman going back to 1985 wow just just like right after the crisis or just before the crisis from crisis onwards and and a little bit before from the batman 400 and Detective 575-ish, when Mike okay. Barr was still doing it. So okay. uninterrupted from then to the present. I remember buying that Batman 400 yeah. as a kid with the, that first anniversary issue with the uh, the different the, – they'd set it all up along the way, and I remember buying that. That was that was a good – those are good times. Those are some of my favorite Batman stories, that, that era, that – that that mid that mid eighties era with uh, Doug yeah, Mensch and uh, yeah. uh, Gene Colan was drawing Detective. Yes, Gene Colan was really good on Batman. I really really like his stuff on Batman. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course the original Jason Todd. Yeah. Introduced with all back then. Uh, the circus yeah, Jason are, Todd, not the street kid yeah. Jason Todd. No, no. I, I, believe it or not, my I've never forgiven DC for for, for that. I. I I felt like even though he was so much like Dick Grayson, it was just so nice to see an, a regular kind of kid kind of finding his way and having Seven regular people. kinds of relationship. Yeah. So I've I'm one of those people that definitely voted to kill the uh, the later Jason Todd when they had the call in hotline. <laughs> it was you. <laughs> It was. It was me. I, I'll stand up. I'll raise my hand and say, I helped pull the trigger. (laughs) (laughs) You can't make that long distance phone call just for that, especially not back then. I would have gotten murdered. All right. (laughs) You found America to kill a comic book character? What? I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, how many of us got – you talked to who for how long? You know, using the phone back then was, you know – I'm going to call my friend in South Carolina. I'm going to be on the phone Dude, for 20 minutes. Yeah, hour and a half later. How long are you on the phone? <laughs> we had a dial phone with a lock on it. But oh, I, learned, I oh. learned how to bypass that. Because if you tap the re, uh, phone receiver cradle part, 10 times for zero, nine times for nine, that worked. You could still dial out. <laughs> for, for, <laughs> That's where for the emergency call. Came from. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Wow! Oh my gosh! I got in so much. So, now how, how can we re- now how can we segue this into the bat phone, huh? Oh, the bat phone. <laughs> my phone was blue growing up, not red. All oh, right, so mine was like green. <laughs> so we started. I, I opened with talking about Generation Shattered. What for listeners who are unfamiliar, Steve? What what do you see this as for DC? What are they trying to do with this? Well. They're all heading towards, as we know, the the new metaverse or or multiverse, um, where rather than have constant reboots and 
history keeps changing um now literally they're going to look at every story that ever happened as canon and let the fans decide which history they like best so the characters lived all those moments lived all those adventures gold and silver bronze dark age they lived them all whether they remember them or not and i just think that's a brilliant way to go because every fan will be happy because you literally think well my history is batman year one long halloween dark victory um Grant Morrison, Scott Snyder, everything else I'm not interested in. And that'll be perfectly fine because you read the stories you love again and again and again, and that's your canon. And I think that's Mm -hmm. wonderful. Obviously, for fans like us, we can say, well, no, I want to go back to the (laughs) 40s. I want to talk about No Hope in Crime Alley. I want to see... um, um, I'll explain it that Leslie Tompkins was an old woman, but she was ill. But as she got better, she she flourished. <laughs> I mean, look at Aunt May. Aunt May's been ninety years old since the sixties. <laughs> not in those new Spider-Man movies. Marissa Tomei is not well, ninety. <laughs> yes, yeah, she really isn't. Tony Stark, I'm with you. <laughs> so yeah, there you that- go. So that's what they're aiming for. And obviously, as you said, Detective Ten Twenty Seven. That, that that panel where he's in the gallery and all of a sudden he's no longer the buff armored batman of today he's the purple gloved pointy-eared classic batman from 1939 and i thought number two please where's the next story come on <laughs> gimme 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 and here we are <laughs> Yeah, we're still waiting. I think when this show hits, we'll kind of right. will be a lot closer to when the uh, yes. the next X episode yes. comes yes. out. Yeah, I uh, I think one of the neatest things about that issue was how I think it, it had the panel with the picture of his parents who had donated to the museum, and then the very next panel, it's what you would expect Bruce's parents in the 30s to look like. So that was just a neat a neat segue the way they did it artistically. To, to transition you back from the modern day to, you know, that original Batman. Well, the original Batman, I mean, the only place you can start with the original Batman is, of course, Detective Comics number 27. I got a copy here to, to review while we go through it. <laughs> oh, you got the, uh, the silver. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. The Millennium Issue. Excellent, excellent. So... There are a lot of cha- differences between the modern Batman we know and the one we see in, in this issue. What strikes you immediately? Obviously, though I love it, I find it charming. The simplicity of the art for a start and the wonderful thing where everyone knows it anyway. Gotham City doesn't exist. It's a nickname for the seedier parts of New York. But in that issue, it blatantly says new york on a new york night and i love that because that grounds the character in reality and from the start from that beautiful long panel at the top of the page where you just see the character in shadow it's iconic it's beautiful and honestly the whole bruce wayne persona there is pretty cut and dried it doesn't really change that much over the next 80 years (laughs) but batman himself as you know from the early issues, he had no qualms about carrying a gun. He had no qualms about carrying a machine gun. And if he had to take a life, so be it. So all that stuff about Batman doesn't kill is only really from the 60s onwards. Those are the main differences. But apart from that, it is the Batman I've always loved. Oh, and the red Batmobile. What? <laughs> <laughs> 
no one would see that that coming, would they? Hey, that looks just like Bruce Wayne's roadster. What? (laughs) Hang on, Batman and Bruce Wayne have the same car? Hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you bring up a good point. If if uh, if a lot is similar, where do you think in the Golden Age stuff we first see the Batman that is really recognizable to us? Or do you think it's right here? Do you think DC Comics has come around enough with the character to where the Batman we know today is right here? Whereas if you picked up a p- issue from 1961, it'd be like, what the heck is this? Exactly. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, totally right. Um, like I said, I got a culture shock when I was an eight, nine year old when I saw that first comic with Batman as a dark vigilante fighting crime at night. And I learned his origin because I didn't realize he became Batman because his parents were killed. I thought he was Batman because he just liked the thrill of it and he liked punching bad guys. I thought, yeah, what a great lifestyle choice. And he's a millionaire, so he doesn't have to work. Brilliant. What a great job. But then I found out why he did it, and it changed everything. And this Batman from the 39 issue, from, from Detective 27 in 1939, is the Batman that modern audiences know from the Christopher Nolan movies, from the Tim Burton movies, from the comic books, from everything else. Whereas anyone now who's a Batman comics reader would look at the Adam West series or at the Dick Sprang, Sheldon Moldoff, Charles Paris, uh, Golden Age, uh, Silver Age Batman and think, whoa! what is this um so i yeah i actually agree with you there are more similarities to the modern batman in the classics in the golden age than than now than in in the 60s and 70s early 70s that's not the early 70s late 50s early 60s i made a couple notes here that uh in rereading this in preparation i i it made me think of tim burton's batman 89 movie um specifically yeah, definitely um, like the first time we see him in costume he's on the roof it's that rooftop kind of scene and then we also get a a, a bruce eavesdropping on gordon for information of where to go yep. which is exactly what he does at the party in batman 89 yep. where he knows he finds out that napier is cleaning out axis chemicals and yep. he's he does the same kind of thing i just thought it was Absolutely. interesting it was it just fits so well with more modern versions of the character yeah, but, totally. it, but it, it, it it's it's so much the original batman and yet so much the modern batman whereas we've lost a lot of that middle era absolutely and the fact that in this first appearance he's already a detective i mean i know it's detective comics but you've been reading comics as long as i have and where batman's a detective even in detective comics these days is rare it doesn't it happen is. anywhere near enough, but it's there in his first appearance, and it's beautiful. He works out I, I the ma- crime. I made that note. One of the things that strikes me in Detective 27 is the tight script by Bill Finger and Batman's detectiving, yes. how he, yeah. he figures it out. And we don't get that as much anymore. It's a lot more about you know crazy baddies and you know battles Absolutely. and stuff. We don't get those more intimate, quiet moments. I think Tomasi in Detective has done recently in the yes. past year and a half, whatever. Agreed. Has done some more, has some moments, but it's still not mm. quite as much as him being a detective. Um, you, you mentioned his his origin, and one of the things I was thinking about was we don't get an origin till Detective Thirty Three. Thirty Three, yeah. So. 
I wonder. And a two-page origin at that. <laughs> not a four-issue, six-issue, twelve-issue. But it's but it's a brilliant two pages. It's a brilliant two pages. Yeah. What I was thinking was, what what can we glean from Bruce in those issues leading up to that? I made a couple of notes, like in Detective Twenty Eight. He's described as a bored young socialite, which is that indicating that it's more like you were thinking. He's just doing this out of boredom instead of some sort of mission. And how different is that thought? Let's just put ourselves in a, a reader's shoes in 1939, and you're reading the first few stories going, oh, this guy's just doing this because he's bored and he's looking for something to do. And da, da, da. you know, there's no mission in the background. It's It's just – I got nothing else to do. I go beat the shit out of some criminals. Yeah, that's basically <laughs> it. Absolutely. Uh, and that's honestly what I thought until I was like eight, nine years old. I thought he just goes out to fight crime because he's rich. He doesn't need a job. Hey, this is a way to pass the time and let's clear up some bad guys while I'm at it. <laughs> <laughs> um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that in Batman number one, we get that two page origin recap, don't we? Yes, we in do. In the. Uh, Okay, so I had the famous first editions of Batman number one uh, when it first came out in 1975. So my impression of Batman from the very beginning was this is his mission. This is how he became Batman. I never had a sense that he was just doing it out of boredom or, you know, whatever. Well, I had the Golden Age I, experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what I was thinking was as they introduced this uh, this original batman and i think it's curious they're saying original batman not golden age batman indicating that there's you know a length of, of history in the golden age for him but rather this is just the original the beginning do you think dc would keep this original mo for him of a bored young socialite just kind of without invoking the the classic origin it's really clever because in many ways they have because that's the persona that Bruce puts out um, and, and he still does it like um, the parties and the ginger beer replacing the, the champagne he doesn't drink and the supermodel on his arm and uh, I didn't even catch her name. Uh, Frankman <laughs> did a brilliant job in Batman Year One of tying the Golden Age Batman to the modern day Batman. He changed the origin slightly rather than a bat flying through an open window. It was a huge, grotesque bat creature crashing through the window, but he kept that whole ethos, that whole feel of the of the original Golden Age Batman, but brought it to Hell's Kitchen or the Bronx of the late 80s. So. Even there, he was the classic Batman, but just with a slightly modern, gritty twist. But Bruce Wayne's always been the bored socialite, in my opinion. I mean, and that's how he's portrayed in all the movies, too. That yeah, yeah. that horrible scene in um in the Christopher Nolan movies where he pretends he's drunk to get the people out of the house because he's going to burn right, it down. Right. That there is, that is, is no, you say yeah. it's hard. It is painful to see him do that. It's it really painful is. to watch. As, as a Batman fan, as a Bruce Wayne fan, you think, no, Bruce, what are you doing? But he doesn't care because that's the mask to him. Batman is yeah. the real face. Bruce yeah. Wayne is the mask. So, And, and you know, exactly. No, well, I, I think you mentioned Nolan. And to me, that to me is one of the issues with the, the last Nolan film is that uh, Batman is the real person. Bruce Wayne is the mask. So there is no, I'm going to do this until I can figure out a way not to have to do it. 
because that's just who he is. You know, at the moment, his parents die in that alley. Everything else makes him Batman. And yes. Batman is the real person and not mm-hmm. some, you know, heir of a doctor, yeah. you know, who has a lot of money. That That's not bat. That's not the character. It's Batman. And so I've always had an issue with the final uh, the final Nolan film. You know, I, I think Batman Begins is great. That's still my favorite Batman film. Same. The the last the last one to me, he just goes off the rails trying to end the trilogy so much, maybe so he doesn't have to do another movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's how it felt to me. And but yeah. but anyways, I just I'd agree with it that. just what you said right there really got to that that point for me. Um, Ford Young Socialite. Have you ever heard of a character called the Clock? I've heard of the character, but again, I don't have a lot of knowledge. That's why I love you and your show, because you educate me the way we try to on superheroes for dummies. It's wonderful. What what struck me as I reread these early stories and the uh, description of him as a bored young socialite, I, I went back and reread the first appearance, the first couple stories of The Clock. The Clock uh, appeared in Funny Picture Stories number one. He's uh, Brian O'Brien. There's a great name. Wow. Brian spelled two different, That's Brian spelled two different ways. <laughs> It is. <laughs> He's a wealthy socialite. He even eavesdrops on the police for leads. Mm. It's kind of, it, it just it sounds. <laughs> no, well, that was rife in those days. Was <laughs> the police, you had to eavesdrop on somebody. I mean, of course, there's a lot of the shadow in the Batman. Uh, oh yeah. You know, and he had been around for almost ten. Years when Batman first made his appearance, so I thought it was interesting that I saw a little connection between the clock and Batman, and then the clock and the shadow. They both have a an inner sanctum, and then well, of Lamont course Bruce Cranston and Bruce Wayne share cave. very many oh, similarities. Yeah. They really do. They do. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Especially the the. I mean, he he's a dark kind of thing. It's not this bright light of superman of hope although the original superman is a little more of a bruiser than i think we oh, consider yeah. him today <laughs> totally. the jerry siegel joe schuster superman is is closer to batman he would disguise himself and go undercover and, and do things like that wear makeup and it was like yeah yeah it was great i love that <laughs> superman <laughs> we should do our next um, episode on him <laughs> <laughs> well you know i i thought uh one of the things that struck me was how Grant Morrison tried to take that original yes. uh, idea of Superman for his New 52 Absolutely. action comics. And I thought I thought a lot of it worked, but I also thought how much of it was just a uh, – evoking that time period. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and how much it belongs to that, to that era, that it's just a little bit different today, that that's not – it doesn't quite ring as true as you'd have hope it would but it was still interesting and and a clever approach to the character i just had a hard time seeing how he would get to the character we have in modern comics at least at the time nine years ago when that when that happened what about uh some of the artistic stuff in the first uh the first few stories you talked about the simplicity of the first uh the first tale what about uh what we see next where do you think uh jerry robinson comes in what do you notice i i I found it tragic and heartbreaking that 
these artists were basically paid and told to just look as much like Bob Kane as you can. And I find that when you see the artists, the breadth and breadth of, of, of what they can do these days, that to tell an artist to try and look like someone else is, is painful. But you could tell that there was little flourishes. He became a bit bolder, a bit more barrel chested, a bit more heroic looking. And the ears changed and the darkness started to melt away. Because I find actually by, and I didn't realize that until I reread these for this show. So thank you for this, Matt. You've educated me even on my favorite <laughs> character. The, the transition between, at least physically with the art, to the Silver Age Batman of the late 50s and early 60s happened actually in the 40s with Jerry Robinson and the other artists starting to come in. The dark Batman that we see in Detective 27 up to about maybe Batman 1012 already started to transition into the caped crusader dynamic duo Batman mm. even before the appearance of Robin. So that's actually a really good question. Um, this dark creature of the night with the pointy ears who steps out of the shadows it was only really about three or four years, if, if that, that it was actually that cut and dried. And I didn't realize that until I reread these. I thought it was a lot longer than that. I noticed a couple things. I think I think you're on target with that. I noticed actually, to me, I felt like even in Detective 29, you can see another hand at work besides Bob Kane. Yes. I think that, yes. that early – and I'm I'm guessing it's Jerry Robinson um, that early because I've yeah. I found some I'd agree some some Alex Raymond and Hal Foster swipes that are in the stories and it's kind of funny, <laughs> but but then outside of those there are other panels that are much well more drawn that are drawn much more well that are drawn better. How do you say that and not sound like an idiot? That are that are drawn better <laughs> than. Uh, than some of the stuff in that first issue, you know, I, I just thought it was like, oh my gosh, this early. I mean, even like that profile of of Bruce on page two in Detective Twenty Nine, that just looks like it's just drawn better than what he was doing in his first. Well, appearance. Even the origin in Thirty Three, it's a million miles oh. away from Detective Twenty Seven. Oh, those there's there's some swipes in there. There's that profile shot. There's that's some... an yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a, yeah. the, the one. The profile shot is an Alex Raymond swipe from a Flash Gordon, and the uh, the one where he, this one here, you know that one from the cover there, you know that's in that story too. That's yeah. a Hal Foster Tarzan uh, swipe. Uh, I just found that in really costume, interesting. Yeah, yeah exactly. He just put mm -hmm. the costume on him, and uh, I just thought it was interesting that you know Bob Kane has such a public persona as the creator of Batman and this and that, but his. Uh, his early work on the character was, I don't know, I don't want to bash yeah. too much, but but it's hard not to be a historian no, of comics. I agree and, with you. And, and go mean, back and look and try yeah. to find out what was going on. Oh, yeah. Um, well, it's not just that. I mean, the fact that poor old Bill Finger is only in the last decade that he was even recognized for his contributions, because let's be honest here. The Batman Bob Kane invented, yes, he created the character, he coined the name, but his character was a blonde guy in a domino mask in a red costume. How does that work to fight crime at night? Not really. The origin, the costume, the stepping out of the shadows, the bat ears, everything else was Bill Finger. And it's the same with the artwork. He signed everything and everyone else had to sign it and look like him because... I mean, that's I'm not how, taking anything away from it. That's how it was. 
that's how it but, was. That's yeah. how with that's the how newspaper with the newspaper strips, you know, the name of the creator and the the yeah. author slash writer was important, and that Very. same mindset transferred over to comic books, and they thought, well, for this to be accepted, we have to have that same byline, you know, Siegel and Schuster, Bob Kane. Mm-hmm. And without that, I guess they felt the credibility. did most of their stuff themselves. They they yeah. did, yeah. They, it, I mean, they had yeah. assistance and help after yeah. the, it really got going, and they were producing not just Detective, but or I'm sorry, Action and Superman, and he's showing up on well, World's yeah. Finest. He's in a lot of books. They've yeah. got to have a lot of material churned out, so that makes sense. Uh, that makes sense. But it's an interesting, really a huge difference from today where everyone wants to know the exact person who did it. It's not about yes, and the, absolutely. Uh, it's not about a uh, a brand, the Bob Kane mm-hmm. brand, the Stephen Schuster brand. It's about what is this individual able to do? What 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 are they doing? You know, and that's kind of where Finger, like you said, got lost in it because yeah. Bob Kane had the brand, and Bill Finger was just that scripter who exactly. happened to have a lot of great ideas, but didn't get all the credit. Maybe he should have at the time. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Let's uh, let's take a turn and look at Batman number one. What uh, <sighs> what 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 strikes you about Batman number one? Besides that awesome cover, <laughs> which has to be Jerry Robinson. <laughs> There's no way that's And Bob the green Kane. robin cape. The green robin cape, yes, which we talked about robin before cape. we started recording. Um, because of the yellow background. That's the only reason it's there. Um, again, like you said, the, the retelling of the origin and that huge leap in the quality of the art, but also the additional swiping. But what struck me with Batman number one is that already felt a lot more like today's Batman. Cause obviously we get the Joker and Catwoman mm-hmm. and Hugo strange in this issue, three of like the greats, the, the greatest Batman villains. And yeah. again, they've changed very little. The Joker we see here um, probably is the, the biggest change because this is the dark, more mysterious joker he doesn't laugh and act like a loon which is a product of the of the 50s and censorship um he was a cold-blooded killer who predicted his victims deaths and it was terrifying (laughs) and to see that that's the biggest change catwoman is still the sassy beautiful daring thief that she still is today Within a few appearances, she already became someone who's trying to go straight. The Batman was trying to reform. So even then, and I didn't realize that, I always saw Catwoman, again, from the TV show, as a thorn in Batman's side who he was attracted to, but a clear villain. Mm-hmm. But even in the earliest comics, she was trying to go straight. He captured her and he fell for her and he tried to... There's a point in... in a, for us, was, I, I've got a girlfriend called Judy, but damn that, that's Selena Kyle's a special, <laughs> special lady. <laughs> and it's it's brilliant. And But Hugo Strange, again, this is the thing, that, uh, hopefully you, you'll see where I'm coming from, where you see that Batman is almost more of a horror character in his original appearances with the mad monk with the hugo strange the vampire werewolves and i love that aspect of batman that creature of the night fighting other creatures of the night and yeah that that's what struck me with issue one the fact that it's so then but so now it's it's gorgeous it it really feels totally like batman there's no 
element yeah. that's that's yeah. out of except for the fact when uh when he guns down the uh Hugo Strange's monsters with the machine guns with mounted machine on the gun. bat plane. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty you know. And he's he's he has he's a little remorseful, but it's kinda like, well, they weren't gonna get healthy anyway. It has so. to be done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, is, yeah. it has to be done. They 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 they're monsters now and I think that again brought reminded me of Batman eighty nine with the scene in the Batwing where he's literally yeah, shooting yeah, everything yeah, in yeah. sight and the Batmobile's got cannons and people saying, That's not Batman. I said, Well, you read the nineteen forties, that's pretty damn Batman. <laughs> and people losing their minds about Ben Affleck with the machine guns on his car as well. I said, Well, you know, read a comic from the forties, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you may not like to think of it, but it's it's definitely part of the, the character's history. Uh, yeah. And yeah. significant. Enough. I'm not blinking yeah. enough to deny it. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Wasn't uh, you mentioned Batman number one is actually one of my favorite comics. I still love it to this day. I can't tell you how many times I read that reprint as a kid. I mean, over and over and over. So much so I don't have it out in front of me because I remember it pretty well. From <laughs> I know I thought it was crazy that the Joker dies and comes back in that. Oh wait, he's not yes. dead after all. <laughs> And that was a last-minute addition, wasn't it? They were yeah, planning yeah, but... to kill the character off, but they thought, well, yeah. hang on, no, we've got something here. Yeah. Could you imagine if they had? Who would Batman killed... be fighting now? <sighs> the Penguin? I don't know. <laughs> um, you mentioned uh, Catwoman in the first episode issue, and I thought that was a it was a brilliant thing that Tom King did in his run where he, yes. he reenacts some of those images from the ship. And that's and if you thing yeah. is if you've never read Batman number one, that has to seem like it's totally out yes. of left field. Like what's this Catwoman in a green dress and yeah. cleavage and what's Purple all this going paint. on? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and is this, is this and, female Alan Scott or is this Catwoman? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? And but if you've read that Batman number one, it's it's absolutely brilliant because you know the the historian. And the nostalgia in me is going, that's the first time they met. That's it. It's yes. not that yeah. stuff in, a, in an alley and she's a prostitute. None of that crap. Yeah. This is it. <laughs> it can still be explained, though, because obviously he remembers the first time Batman met Catwoman. She remembers the first time Selina met Bruce. So it still works. It's their recollection of the first time they met because she sees herself as Selina Kyle, a.k.a. Catwoman. Yeah. He sees himself as Batman. Yeah. And that's brilliant. I love that. And he does it so many times from that first appearance through all the stuff, even with the black costume and the green, uh, the, uh, the tight green Catwoman costume. Every oh, year. Oh, is represented. Yeah, it's brilliant. I love it. I've never yeah. seen a green cat, though. <laughs> <laughs> Not on this planet, at least. <laughs> I'm sure there's a green cat somewhere on St. Patrick's Day over there. <laughs> oh, yeah, actually. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very good point. Um, is hit and miss as I found King's run to be those Bruce and Selena yeah. moments to me were were just I the best did. part. I mean, I could read just those parts of him yeah. writing about, which is why I'm enjoying so far with one issue in the Batman Catwoman series he's doing now. Yes. With that, I mean that's that. Agreed. He calls you a nerd, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but that to me is the ultimate compliment. <laughs> Being called a nerd by Tom King, you've arrived. <laughs> I, I think 
I think that's the kind of thing, that kind of series is what I was wanting out of his entire run. And I'm, I'm glad we're getting it now. I'm, I'm really glad we're getting that now. Um, yeah, I had the same. I had the same thing. You know, was Joker wholly formed by this first appearance in the first, the two stories in the issue? You kind of get that's that's him. I mean, because even uh, like Steve Englehart and Marshall Rogers harken back to that in uh, in their run on Detective in the seventies with the predicting yeah. the death yeah. and everything. And there's even a Batman the animated series that uh, lists the sign of the Joker and the laughing fish. I think they do both, don't they? Yes. So yes, I mean that's that's. The Joker. I think that's what you. He's there. Yeah, that's absolutely. right there in the first appearance. Uh, right so, up to the present day, in three Jokers, that Joker is back, front and center. It's wonderful. And he's the main Joker, correct? Out of those three. How um, is, well, how it, see the again? That's what I love comedian? about it. The comedian seems to be the original, but um, he, um, he says uh, uh, that guy. Uh, I'm sorry, I created him, or is he sorry he created me? You still <sighs> don't yeah, yeah. know, and I don't want to know. If we ever find out the Joker's true origin, who the original one was, who the real one is, who the real one isn't, that'll that'll be it for me. The fact you still don't know is what I love about the character. Well, I think that's uh, that's exactly how I feel because I. As the three Jokers kind of kept going, and we learned a little bit more about the three different characters and stuff, and they, uh, Johns, Jeff Johns decides to use what Alan Moore had in The Killing Joke as yes. a backstory for – I mean, while it was clever and fun to see him connect those stories together – and they, they do really seem to fit together to me. I, I mean I feel like you can read yeah. The Killing Joke and then pick up and read – the three jokers and feel like you're almost reading yeah. like part two of the same story. Yeah, It's a four part series. Yeah. 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 But I, I, it's a little disappointing to think that it's been revealed because I think part of the mystique of the joker is not really knowing you don't know. And that's kind of what makes him the joker is you don't know. It's not yeah. because so many other characters, you know, but it takes away the, the mysterious quality that it makes him almost human. And I think yes. the Joker is better seeming. He should be a force of nature, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Of chaos, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Even if we know he really has to be a real person because he's a person, not yeah. knowing I think is better. And that was my, my my critique on on the three Jokers by pinning it down, but mm-hmm. but it's still a lot of good stuff in there. To I'm not saying don't read it. I'm just saying. See, I like it because he he pins it down but doesn't pin anything down at the same time, so I can excuse it, and I like that. He changes everything yet changes nothing. I mean, their relationship now is destined to be forever, not just because Joker wants it, but because Batman has to have it that way because he can't find out the truth, and I love that. They are doomed to fight forever. I love that. Yeah, yeah. What about the Joker crying, finding out? that Batman was dead and uh, Batman Catwoman number one <laughs> because it's the love of his life I mean we saw <laughs> it in, in, in Dark Knight Returns where when Bruce retired Joker fell into a catatonic state which he only <laughs> came out of when Batman came out of retirement and what were his words when he saw Batman on the TV screen darling <laughs> <laughs> so I honestly believe that he I mean, that was that was wonderful because Selena goes to see this old guy and you think, who is this? And when you find out, I was lost. I was like, what the hell is going on? 
Yeah. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> Great stuff. And then what Selena does next, I'm not going to spoil because people, you need to read this. <laughs> <laughs> please do. Please do. If you like Batman and Catwoman together as a couple, I think this is the uh, the love story of, a, of, of the millennium for, yeah. for comic book fans. Uh, yes. All right. So so what what other golden age Batman villains do you do you think about as far as changes? We talked about how Catwoman and Joker kind of all the way right there, straight out of the gate. Are there any that have changed a lot or or have a different sort of story in the golden age? The only real change that struck me, and again, I'd forgotten all about it, even though I did know this, was the whole Harvey Kent, Harvey Dent change. Um, but the origin's pretty much the same, but the, I just found it ludicrous that Batman was in the courtroom testifying in full costume with his mask down. <laughs> I thought that was quite funny. But, but, but we but we see it in the uh, yeah. Batman Forever movie, too. And that, yes, that totally surprised me that that scene was yes. in the movie as he's leaping out of the the, the, the jury yeah. box – or not the jury box, yeah. but the – was he on the stand? I don't remember wherever he was. He's he's yeah. leaping out trying to stop the vial of acid. No, you know? I was like, they actually put that in there. Oh my gosh, this is crazy. Yeah. yeah, they they stay true, but again, I found most of them almost perfectly formed. Um, Riddler in particular, the whole origin story with him cheating at the puzzles in the classroom, um, w- w- was there throughout. The things where, where they've changed the characters more is in the movies. I mean, Jim Carrey's Riddler bears little to no resemblance to, to the comic book Riddler. Um, Penguin, again, we didn't, we've never really had an orange for Penguin until the 80s in the Killing Peck with, um, that was that Neil Gaiman and Sam Keith, wasn't it? Um, where we see he was a chubby little kid who got bullied, this, that, and the other, but I don't need an origin for the penguin. I, I almost like him more as the gangster type and not the villain going out to perform the crimes. So that was the biggest change for me. I think, and I that, think you agree by the, by your I movements. That is, I think one of the best things they've done with the penguin is they took him from kind of a silly, uh, ineffectual looking, yeah. you know, character. oafish character to being like, a. a mastermind kind of gangster type yeah. it yeah. fit it, it, it makes it it even makes the penguin Better. sound like not mm-hmm. threatening but the penguin someone not what? to mess with yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly because if he's got that kind of goofy of a name he'll probably kick your ass if you say something to him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now i feel like that came out of the uh the batman the animated series more than anything else am i missing yes. am i Mr. Memory, that's what I thought. I no, totally. He starts off like a crook, heists and everything like that, but then he becomes more of the kingpin type character, and I think that's a much better interpretation. I, I like Penguin that way. And then the video games, um, the Arkham games, cemented that, and I thought it was it was brilliant because yeah, who needs the little guy with the umbrellas? Um, trying to fight Batman, it just it just never really worked. I mean, it's good fun on the TV show because Burgess Meredith, may rest in he peace, killed. was an absolute legend. <laughs> he was amazing. But um, no, I do prefer the Penguin as a as a criminal uh, mastermind. That's that's a good uh, definitely uh, a good a good way to jump back a little bit to some of the Golden Age comics mm. in the mid 40s when 
some of the silliness. Lots of gangsters. Yeah, lots of gangsters, but the Penguin is certainly a lot sillier and nowhere near as physically imposing as some of Batman's other villains. Mm-hmm. And, and, the right. whole, and the whole bird motif and stuff was always played for laughs. And it's it's kind of that it's yeah. kind of that thing that it fit in the forties, it fit in the Batman TV show, but now modern day it doesn't fit. That's really a big a big shift there. Even even if Batman at the time may still have been a little bit darker than he was in the, you know, aliens and weird stuff that happened later on in the fifties. The the penguin maybe the, the first signal of the direction things were going to go at some point. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, uh, you mentioned Harvey, Harvey Dent, Harvey Kent Dent. Have you ever yes. read the, uh, the, uh, newspaper strip origin mm. of two face? You remember that he's Harvey Apollo, an actor. Yeah. Yep. And then they tried to bring that into the modern continuity with the second Two Face, didn't they? The character, the actor who oh, played Harvey Dent in the yeah, bio. Yeah, yeah, they oh, yeah. They tried to on yeah. that, and um, Batman realised it wasn't Harvey because one was right-handed and one was left-handed. <laughs> so again, clever writers merged those two disparate origins but yeah the, the newspaper harvey apollo thing but again they did try again because obviously harvey Dent was a really good looking guy and that what's made the tragedy of his scarring that much more horrible and this that and the other but um yeah why <laughs> why did they do that for the newspaper strips it was painful but um again oh, there's yeah. something of their time and that they were trying to maybe do something different with the character i guess that was one of those characters that didn't appear for a long time. Har- Two-Face had a, an appearance in the 40s and didn't show up again till like, the 70s. What about a character like Commissioner Gordon? He appears in Detective Comics 27 right at the beginning also. He does. What do you think about him as far as how he changes over the years? Or do you think the, we essentially get Gordon as Gordon? No, his change is phenomenal and drastic literally he's just uh, a partial acquaintance of bruce wayne who's also the police commissioner who thinks oh that bruce wayne fellow is an interesting tap isn't he? he's a strange <laughs> duck that bruce wayne whereas the commissioner gordon of today is a tough veteran former marine green beret mm. badass i mean at one point he actually is batman um chalk and gee the only similarities they share are the name and obviously again this is an older gentleman but i don't know if you remember this because we obviously we mentioned the aunt may scenario and the leslie Tompkins scenario but do you remember in the uh, <laughs> 80s and 90s in detective comics the commissioner gordon heart attack yeah he married yes. sarah Essen and he ballooned yeah. in weight and he grew old and he had to retire and now all of a sudden he's a thin young redhead guy again <laughs> so what <laughs> What the hell? Um, anyone reading Commissioner Gordon now, even going back to the 80s, would think, hang on, is he aging in reverse? Or was as quitting smoking the cigars and the pipe and going down to, maybe he's vaping now? I don't know. <laughs> he seems to have aged in reverse by 20 years. But yeah, huge difference in Commissioner Gordon. Did you feel the same? 
Oh, well, I mean, he looks like he's, you know, in his 60s in that first issue of the, yeah. that Detective 27. Yeah. He's like, he's pushing retirement age already. Although back yeah. then, people that looked like that were only like 49. You know that, right? Like back in yeah. the 40s, when you were 49, yeah. you, that's what you looked like. You looked like you were old. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, no, it's like he's this old guy, and then he kind of stays the same for a long time. But then I guess it's really uh, – I mean, even like in the 70s, he's he's still got the the grayish whitish hair, but it doesn't seem quite as old. But then when Frank Miller deals with him in year one and really takes a look at him as a younger man mm-hmm. and you imagine this is 10, 15 years from the present. Oh, you know, the Bruce that, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And you get the idea that he's younger, more virile. And then with the new 52, I think we get the. He's still only a few years older than Bruce. He's not, you know, old enough to be Bruce's dad, which is, gosh, he might be his grandfather in that first issue. Yeah, absolutely. He's more like a big brother type character now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. But what about the the roles he plays? I mean, certainly he's always been a police officer and involved in the crimes that Batman is, you know, investigating, solving. But – they, they've gone, you know, he, he, he's a menace, he, he works with the police, he's yep. a menace, he works with the police, he's a menace, but Gordon doesn't care, and he says, screw it, I don't yep. care. <laughs> and I, I guess that's kind of what I like the most is when there's an uncertainty in the public about him, but Gordon knows the real yes. person. Even if he doesn't yeah. know the real person, he, he, mm-hmm. he knows – I guess what's in Batman's he knows it's in Batman's heart. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, I completely agree. <laughs> yeah. Um do you not find though, and again I think you made a brilliant point at the top of the show where looking back at the forties Batman, I do see a lot of similarities with the Tim Burton Batman and it, it's right back down to this again with the Commissioner Gordon that in the early days he was almost more like Batman's straight man. Rather uh, than a partner yeah. and an equal, he was like the I'm the cop, but Batman's doing all the work kind of thing. Yeah, and it's the same yeah. in the t- in the Tim Burton movies. Did you find that with with rereading these again this this time? Because I didn't realize that as well until now, until rereading them. No, no, definitely, it's a uh, it's a different dynamic than what we have now. Yeah, completely, completely. Uh, I, I think it's a partnership now. Over the years, I think. And rightly so, writers not only wanted to explore Batman and Robin, Dick Grayson, Jason Todd, whomever it is, but also Jim Gordon. I mean, you got to re- you can't mm-hmm. write the same Batman captures the crook every month in and out without getting a little bored. So you look at different Absolutely. things. So they've explored Gordon and really tried to make him a real character and with a, a lot of backstory and depth and lots of gray areas. I mean, there were times when. You know, you had to question, is he, you know, was he a crooked cop or not? He always comes off as straight, but they, they threw enough bit with stories mm-hmm. in that make you wonder, or at least is the is the is the city and the police so corrupt that there's not much he can do to be effective. And so that's why he relies on Batman to sort of cut mm-hmm. through all the bullshit. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the way he... 
Again, it's brilliantly done. I love what you said that you still don't quite know. He tries to be the straight cop, but why did he have to leave Chicago and come to Gotham and all that stuff? That whole aspect of it, which again just makes him real. It makes him three dimensional. It makes him a real character and personality. The fact he has trouble with his wife, he has an affair with one of his colleagues, and mm-hmm. while a lot of people say, "Oh, you're ruining Jim Gordon, who's a good man," I say, "I'm sorry. I think you're making him real." And the fact that in later years, when he and Barbara split up and he marries Sarah, that just goes to me to prove that maybe Sarah was the right one for him all along. And what happens to a no man's home with a Joker killing her just was just mm-hmm. devastating to me. I thought it was it was horrible. But Jim Gordon to me is is one of those characters up there with Alfred and the sidekicks as part of the, the Batman mythos. I, I, I would never want to do without. I, I love him. And, but back then, yeah, he was almost like a just a straight man to, to Batman's being the leading guy. He, he didn't have an impact. He was just there. It's oh, like we have yeah. we have to have a we have to have a police character in this story, and he's called yes. Commissioner Gordon. And that's just who, there's yeah. no there's nothing else to him. Um, you mentioned Alfred. We can't do this episode without talking about Alfred. Um, no. Now, Alfred, who wasn't really around at the beginning of the Golden Age, not at the very beginning, but the first Alfred, yeah. he's a yeah. he's a different guy. He's a really different guy. Alfred Beagle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the bumbling, clumsy, dimwitted oaf. He's totally not the Alfred we know and love. No, not at all. And that's that's such a shock, I think, to to go back and read any of those stories and see that guy as opposed to the, you know, tall thin you know uh yeah. manner gentleman we believe as do you remember when they first explained that he got sent away to a health farm and he lost a ton of weight and he grew a moustache <laughs> and he came back and all of a sudden he was a changed man i thought what <laughs> really <laughs> i think zero hour did it beautifully why would those characters? Why do they even need that at those time at that time though? You know, I mean, yeah. back then you could change stuff around and nobody would blush because nobody was, you know, going to complain or there is going to read Batman whether or not Alfred was fat or skinny. But that's funny. That's so funny. That's so funny. Um, and it didn't happen in the Golden Age, but this isn't the first time Alfred's died. Oh no, the Outsider. <laughs> Indeed. I, I really thought they were going to bring him back with a with a ploy like that, something like that. I, I didn't think uh, it was going to seem so real and so uh, long last. I mean, it hasn't been that long in comics, but it's it's, it's long enough for me. It's now. It's a couple of yeah. years. Yeah, it's, and it's, that's painful to me. Hmm. We need it more is. our Brits represented in American <laughs> comics. Damn it! <laughs> and he's got to be the most famous, you know. No doubt. Not just that, that whole um, relationship, which again changed almost directly after Frank Miller. That whole acerbic wit puts Bruce in his place. Listen, young man, I changed your diapers. Attitude, Alfred, is the one I love. And he was nothing like that at the beginning. Nothing like that. It gives so much, just like Gordon, it gives so much more depth and realism to it. And, and, I've said this uh, many times in different uh, venues, but you know what I like the most about comics is the relationships between characters. Yeah. Um, I talked about I talked about Batman and, and Catwoman, Bruce and Selina. You know that part to me is the best part of that King run, and that's that's what I'm reading that for. But that that's no different than you know 
the 70s and the 80s when I was reading stuff then. I was reading it for the same reasons. It just wasn't uh, old enough or mature enough to be able to put my finger on it and go, yeah. oh, that's what I like. That's yeah. what I like. But uh, but it's the same thing with Alfred. I mean, who can't love that relationship between Bruce and Alfred, that, that father-son relationship even? You know, it's just – it's real human emotion that yeah. we can all relate to. We all have a father or we have a son or a daughter, you know, one or the other. We, we got one or the other, and you can see that, and you can relate to some aspect of that. I think it's really uh, so important and what's kept comics alive and absolutely keeping them interesting for, you know, adults. Absolutely. You know, they, they, they've grown up over time, and uh, as we uh, as we all do, but they, they really have. Um, something we were saying there, I was thinking of something. Oh, I know. Okay, so I'm going to jump to something else because it fits perfectly here. Um, one of the, the versions of Batman I, I love the most is the original Earth 2 version of Batman, yes. which is ostensibly – the original Batman as yeah, he's gone through his career. Batman. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As he's gone through his career and married Selena and had a kid, Helena, Helena, and she becomes the huntress. And it's that, that family dynamic and those, those characters growing up, going through real life experiences of marriage and having children that, that I've always loved. It's one of the reasons why Same. earth earth two is still my favorite concept and why I'm still, sad <laughs> yeah that it's over his demise you know 35 years ago in the crisis on infinite earth uh do do you think that this original batman in we're seeing in generations it's just one issue so far do you think this is supposed to be that batman or an iteration of the original batman on a different trajectory Oh, that's a great question. Because for me, for me, he's the original. He's the one true Batman that all others sprang from. And we have seen it sort of done when, when um, they did kinda the like Zero the Hour in the nineties. Kind of like the plat- kind of like the Platonic ideal. Yeah, exactly. Spot on. Ah, oh, Plato. All those Greeks—they knew what they were talking about. Even though it's all <laughs> Greek to me. Um, <laughs> Yeah, well said. Perfect. He really is because he is the DNA of the character, isn't he? He's the essential, boiled down, real character. But the fact that that whole, again, that this metaverse where all those stories happened, and I love it when a writer comes in who doesn't just press reset and erase everything that's come before just to make his stamp and make his canon when grant morrison did the black case book and the batman rest in peace Mm. and he tied in and brought in all the ridiculous nonsense from the golden and silver age but made it canon as part of an era where batman was trying to study the workings of the human mind and understand how the joker thought and have going sensory deprivation tanks where all those weird and wonderful stories happened in his head but they happened and I thought, this is genius, because now all those wonderful comics that I loved as a kid that I grew up with are real now. So having that Batman back to me is just, A, a beautiful love letter to the original creators and the original stories, 
but a way of bringing that Batman back into our Batman's DNA, into our Batman's soul to realize that, yes, this is where I came from. I may have forgotten that aspect of myself and I may forget it again in 10 years time, but that is who I am. And I love that whole way of, of telling this story. So now for me, he's like you said, he, he's the platonic. He's the original Batman who all else came from. Just like the Earth 2 Superman who walked off into the sunset at the end of Crisis on Infinite Earths is the one true Superman. That's my take anyway. <laughs> yeah, um, man. See, I just I just love those original versions and the and the Earth 2 characters so much. Yeah. It's, well, that's who we grew up with, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I, that's the thing. That I, I was a kid in the 70s reading All-Star Comics with yeah. the Justice Society and – I was more interested in that than what was going on in the Justice League. That was, you know, oh, well, I got to buy the Justice League issues if the All-Star Squadron or the Justice Society yep. are going to cross over. I got to get that. And there was a time when that was anything any of those Earth 2 characters showed up in, I was buying that. I was buying yeah. that. Whereas it's everything else was so broad, I guess. You couldn't buy every single DC, DC title. But I could sure as heck buy every single Earth 2 book that came out. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Jay Garrick, Alan Scott, the original Hawkman. That's why I, I jumped for joy when they all made an appearance at Doomsday Clock and they came back. But oh, yeah, I'm yeah. still waiting. Where's my <laughs> Justice Society comic people? Come on. We are we are all still waiting. We are all still waiting. Oh my gosh. Um and I, once again my, my brain works in ways and I forget stuff because you said something. I was like, I've gone back to it twice. It's like, oh, I can't remember what I was going to say. Shoot. <laughs> oh, well, it was something about Earth 2. And, oh, I know it was. You said Grant Morrison. And I was to say that yeah. is something that I think Grant Morrison and Jeff Johns do really well. Yes. They absolutely. try to incorporate and build up as yes. opposed to eliminate Rewind. and destroy. Yeah. And that, that's something as an old fan and that makes me happy. Because I can see how they're bringing things together. And you know what? Because you're an old fan, we're going to throw this obscure story from 1969 in that you're going to remember and be like that. Yes, yeah, a little kid jumping for joy. Jump for joy. Even yep. little tiny bits and things. And it's just like, oh, yeah. yeah. Thank you for making me happy. Even if, you know, I mean, like Grant Morrison's, even Grant Morrison's Animal Man run with oh, the whole, uh, you know, with. <laughs> The With the psycho, the psycho pirate remembering everything about the pre-crisis. Yes. I mean, that just made me so happy because I was still yeah. in heavy mourning of the the demise of Earth Two. So that the fact that anything anybody in the comics remembered it, and that he had the whole bit in limbo with the other characters that no longer were currently yes. published, that was that was brilliant. I mean, great meta meta textual stuff, but how, how happy you know that's uh, yeah that's the kind of stuff we go for having wesley dodds and brute and glob appear in neil gaiman sandman that just again like whoa everyone's going huh who are they <laughs> what come on this is awesome <laughs> how much how much is comics predicated on that sort of nostalgia that makes it hard for new readers to get in do you think that's the thing um we have to remember that even though us uh long time comics readers love this stuff a lot of the new fans will just look at it and think what is this nonsense but um 
again, like you said, your Jeff Johns and your Grant Morrison's find ways of honouring that and loving that, but without shoving it down new readers' throats. Because it's like um, when you see movies like Bohemian Rhapsody and Yesterday, and you see kids who probably never even heard of the Beatles or Queen be interested in their music. I think that this will have an interest in saying, oh, okay, so these characters have been around for so much longer. Let me try and read some of these classic adventures. And mm. that's the way I think it should be looked at, not rather than beating around the head is, oh, our comics were better than yours. Because there's a ton of new stuff which is coming out, which is fantastic. But it may have lost some of the charm and some of the heart of the stuff that we grew up with. Mm-hmm. But then every now and then you get a, a piece of gold that comes out. I mean, have you read the new um, Death Metal Secret Origin? No, but I read the other one uh, last week with uh, the Justice Society. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, and, if you and, like, yeah. And even though it wasn't maybe like a fantastic return for the Justice Society, just seeing those characters again, those iterations, those Earth 2 iterations yeah. that I remember so fondly, and Helena and Power Girl, it just was like this is this is fun. This is nice. This is fun. Sure, the ending is maybe like, <gasps> but yeah. like I said to somebody online, you know, how do you know Alan doesn't figure out a way to, to save the day in the end after all, you know? So I, 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 I enjoy that aspect. I was reading a review of the uh, Secret Origin earlier today before uh before we got on and uh and i thought well maybe i guess i have to get this i'm gonna have to get this i think you'll get a lot more out of it than you casual reader because again i was reading it and i saw golden age silver age bronze age tributes left right and center that last page if that doesn't bring a smile to your face nothing on earth will but it's a love letter to superman and it's also a love letter to comics fans and comics readers from the appearance of a spinner rack full of titles, some of which <laughs> I own, and a young Clark Kent reading them. Oh, it's a magic piece of comics work. And it's, it's the only issue I think I've ever seen where it's co-written by Scott Snyder and Jeff Johns. I've never seen them collaborate before. Huh. I guess so, I can't think of anything. Yeah. That's No. I think you'll dig it because you, you're like me. You, you see um, the world through um, nostalgia-tinted glasses, and, and that's what oh, I yeah. love about comics. Yeah, <laughs> That's why we don't like a, a certain uh, writer um, who you won't mention. <clears throat> BMB. <clears throat> no. Bowel movement? What? <laughs> yeah. oh, do you not fall? Yeah. shit coming out of that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> anyway, oh my gosh. We digress. Let's go back to the golden age and Hardcore. happier memories. <laughs> this is this is kind of uh kind of out there, but it's it's about the original Batman. To your knowledge, because I, I don't think I've ever seen it. Has DC ever done a story on that original red-suited Batman of Kane's prototype? No, I don't think they have. And that would be an interesting Elseworlds. Yeah. I know there's been a couple of parody comics about him, which have just made me die laughing, (laughs) where he's in Gotham City, he's fought one criminal, and then he says, oh, okay, so I've, I've beaten this criminal, so... What happens now? Um, I don't have a home. Um, 
I don't have a, a, a cave or a mansion or a street or a butler or a sidekick <laughs> or a police commissioner. Oh dear, what am I going to do? Batman by Bob Kane. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see if I can dig that out and send it to you because, yeah, because <laughs> all that other stuff, it was Mr. Finger. <laughs> yeah. I, I, just going back and, and reading the. Uh... The first few stories and uh, thinking about his prototype and how much different would that have been, you know, as a character. Jeez. Yeah. You know, who who yeah. knows what the the backstory and the uh, uh, the ancillary uh, aspects of the character would have been as far as, like you said, home care uh, friends, other people. You know, it's it's so it's such a different image than we yeah. have of Batman. I just wonder where. They would go with that. It, it, unimaginable. I, I don't know. I, I don't even the character would have survived if they kept that premise. We wouldn't be talking about him eight years later. I'm, I'm fairly sure. No, and then maybe Wonder Woman would be the second to DC instead of Batman. Well, I, I, I like all three of those as joint first, but that's my personal opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Comics. Love them. Well, what, never be what, without them. You know, I can't. I, I have a memory of being very young, reading comics. And then when my first child was born, there was five years, I didn't buy any comics except a few uh, collected editions. So there's like a big five-year gap in uh, my comic reading. But that's the only time I can think of. I mean, life happens sometimes, and you got to set certain things aside. But that's the only gap I really have. We've all been there. We've all been there. I mean, there was a point, um, particularly after Crisis, where I literally bought virtually every comic that came out by Marvel and DC and a couple of independents. It was the advent of the image age. But then um, in 93, when I got married, I didn't stop completely because that's when Vertigo happened. So I stopped virtually every superhero book, but I still carried on buying Swamp Thing, Hellblazer, Sandman. And I never stopped buying Batman and Detective. Wow. But that's it. Um, every, that's why, again, my collection is uninterrupted. Back to 85 is because Batman and Detective, I, I could never find the heart to stop reading them. Because Batman's just, I don't know, like we said, uh, the, the, the 40s Batman's ingrained in Bruce Wayne's DNA. Batman's just ingrained in mine. Uh, but, um, yeah, everything else I quit. Yeah, absolutely. Those were fallow years. And now, thanks to what we do, <laughs> I read lots and lots and lots of comics. And even more when I'm about to do a podcast. <laughs> I have found that I have trouble keeping up. I I have I, I sometimes have a few weeks sitting on the shelf and I haven't gotten to those yet. I gotta yeah. I'm so far I mean of course I'm reading you, when I'm reviewing I'm you feel reviewing. bad about it. You feel yeah, yeah, about yeah. It. yeah. Yeah. Completely. We read yeah, completely. because we have to now rather than for fun. We read because we have to review the damn things or we're in trouble. <laughs> Josh! <sighs> Future State's going to kill me. Future State is going to kill me, Matthew. Because I, I, I want to get gonna, all of them. You're going to read no, them all. I yeah. can't. I must behave. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I even it's though. It's only I two was, months. But, yeah. I was not a fan of the idea of New 52. And I was not a fan of. A lot of what happened but i was very interested in seeing and trying a lot of different titles when it came out and it's the same kind of thing i mean i wanted to see well i don't normally read that but you know what this looks interesting or just different enough 
that I want to try this. And I think at that time I, I was buying all kinds of books. It's like, holy cow. And now it's like, I, I just don't have time to read everything, but yep. absolutely. It's life. I feel your pain. <laughs> I'm with you. Let's, uh, let's turn it back, uh, to that original Batman of 1939. If, Mm. I was a if I was somebody and said I just read this generation shattered thing and I want to see more about this guy what what are you going to recommend for that reader where are you going to send that reader uh, to Robert Bank first of all <laughs> so you can buy all the original issues no um again the wonderful era we live in this, this whole netflix society where you can pick up collections and trades you can get the dark knight archives you can get the batman archives beautifully collected editions reprinting all the old 30s and 40s batman and comics so it's a lot easier than ours. i mean you're even luckier than i am because you guys have dc universe and uh, uh, we don't have that dc universe never to came that? to the uk uh, so you can read the stuff online as well but um it's not that hard anymore i mean you'll never get the originals i mean detective comics uh, uh, grade seven copy sold for one and a half million last week um i don't have that kind of money <laughs> so um, and things like this, the beautiful Millennium editions, the facsimile oh. editions, which Dan Didio hated, that I love. Oh, you they're fantastic. These, I these. love oh, them. They're awesome. They're awesome. I treasure them. I treasure them as, as much as I would a proper Batman number one would take 27. And you know what's beautiful about some of those things is not the main story. Let's mm-hmm. say the Batman number one, of course, it's all Batman. But like Detective 27 yeah. – or, or that Detective 38 yeah. you've got there, I saw in the picture. You know, it's all the, uh, it's, yeah. yeah, it's all those other stories. Yeah. I mean, you pick up a a, 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 fa- a facsimile of Action Number One, and the last story is Zatara, which you mentioned yeah. in your Zatanna episode. That is, oh, you've yeah. got it right there, beautiful. That's yes, those indeed. are the kind of things that are so exciting to see those those other characters that no one ever ever gets to hear about. Oh, there you go, there you go. Yep, there you go. It's all those. It's all those kinds Brilliant of things. Stuff. You know, you don't. Yep. I love that. I, I just wish there was more of that. But then I would probably read fewer new comics if I had all that <laughs> access to all that. I'd be. That's I'd be so wrapped up in that. Anthologies coming out. Oh yeah, totally. That's why I love the DC. One thing that they've got is their anthology books when they do like. Uh, a romance special in for Valentine's and a Halloween special. And you can get all these different writers and artists looking at all these other characters and telling 10 different stories in one book. Again, that takes me back to the 80 page giants growing up and my black and white British anthologies, which collected yes. 10 different, like yes. cowboy or horror, superhero. We need that. Did you ever get Wednesday comics when that came out? Well, as a matter of fact, last night when I was reading an old issue of Commandi, The Last Boy on Earth, I was reminded of the Commandi story in Wednesday Comics. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. That, that was thing brilliant. Of... It really was because you had not only just different oh, characters, but, but just character or uh, 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 creators you wouldn't normally associate with, you know, with characters. And so, yeah, that was yeah. – it's so funny you say that because I, I – Honestly, I'm laying down reading this old issue of Commandi from 1976. Remember that 
Wednesday comics? Damn, that was great. You know? <laughs> I love Wednesday comics. I, I need to get a collected edition because my originals are dying slowly but surely because I love them so much and I oh, read yeah. them and reread them and reread oh, them. Oh, man. Uh, I just love that stuff. It's brilliant. So, so good. That's why the, the 100 page um, Walmart books. Why? Oh. I love those and they've gone. <laughs> I was going to say that what? next. Those, I think when they were doing those, that was, was my favorite comics of that period. That Without two a doubt. Period ever, because they, for that very, it just felt like there was an element of fun and excitement yeah. of the unknown. Like, I don't know what this other story is, but I'm going to read it because yeah. it's in this book. You know, even if I maybe don't know anything about yeah. the character. Yeah, the, the, I have to be honest. The only thing I ended up not reading were the Harley Quinn stories and the Batman books. But everything else, I didn't care. I read it. <laughs> Plus the accessibility, because you and I grew oh, up in yeah, an era where yeah. we could go to a news agent or a supermarket or a pharmacy and pick a comic book up off the rack. These yep. days, it's comic book stores, digital. That's it. And the fact that you could go to a Walmart and pick up these big fat books for a fiver. And you could pass them to your kids, you could pass them to your friends, you could pass them to your relatives, and they could get four different stories for that price. Yep. About four totally different characters in one book. Magic. Oh, I was just devastated when they stopped doing the, them. The, the, price point, the price point was perfect, too. For yeah. that amount of, of book, five bucks for that, <laughs> I can see that. I can, I, I can do that because I'm not getting yeah, 132 pages. I'm getting 100 pages. So – I think that was brilliant, and including brand new stuff. Yeah, by including by, brand new, brand new stuff and three classic stories. Yeah, awesome. It was, and I think you know, <sighs> I think uh, we're getting some of the 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 lessons DC learned from that coming out in the new solicits because some of a lot of the books seem to have a backup story in them. Have you noticed that? Yes. In the solicits, we're getting some backup stories and stuff, and uh, I think that's interesting. Um, and then uh, I think Mike Perkins is doing the new Swamp Thing book, and he was the one doing the la- drawing the last Swamp Thing Walmart giant. So it looks like and DC's Ram is writing it, and I, yep, I'm loving yep. everything Ram V's writing right now. That guy's amazing. I'm loving his work. His uh, he did a Swamp Thing special recently, didn't he? Yes. I know it was. I, read it. I reviewed it as well. Yeah. And yeah. And he writes these Savage Shores for Vault Comics. Terrific writer. Really cool guy. So uh, I think DC's got some interesting stuff coming out. Okay, we need to try to reel this back in. (laughs) Golden Age. This is classic comics. Not good comics of today. That's a completely different podcast. But it's it's interesting that how, how similar the anthology books of the golden age are to what we're talking about right now. Yeah. You know, this all yes. started because we talked about the other stories and the reprints and that detective comics 27 behind you. There's a bunch of stories in that book. And that's what we're kind of talking about is the, the variety of stories and characters that you can get it for, for, you know, Absolutely. a fiver <laughs> instead of a nick, a dime back then. But, uh, let's, let's try to bring it back to Batman to, to wrap everything up. Um, I had a, I had a thought as I was reading those first stories, and it, it, I think you know when you get into something, you start to see things from different perspectives and angles. And and while we think of that that Batman as 
that original Batman is going up through, you know, the first few years or so. What what if that original Batman really becomes something different with Detective 33 in that first origin? That's where it sort of becomes. Yeah. The, the, the pathos is introduced, you know, and I, I just I don't know. It just struck me as it, it, what do you think about that idea? Because I, I kind of had a you know, I could almost see like a different character developing instead of that the character we get with that origin completely agree with you when you reread the stuff before detective 33 he's an adventurer he's more uh alan quartermain indiana jones uh young guy with some money out for adventure out for action but as soon as you get that story and you realize no, this isn't a guy out for kicks. This is a guy not quite out for vengeance, but out to stop what happened to him happening to anyone else. And then that protector side of him comes out. There's a fantastic story in Batman number five called, I think it's the case of the honest crook. And it's still one of my all time favorite Batman stories because it's this young kid who he apprehends, um, shoplifting but all he takes from the cash register is six dollars and he could have taken the whole contents of the job he only takes six dollars and it's to buy medicine for his wife mm. so he stops and talks to this kid and finds out he's being blackmailed by gangsters his life's taken a horrible turn all he's trying to do is is, is, is help his wife who's ill and batman goes out to, to to help this kid and catch the gangsters who are blackmailing him and everything else and during the course of that story, and this is the first time it ever happened, it's been copied and, and rehashed to death ever since, Robin goes out to, to, to spy on the crooks and gets smacked over the head and Batman finds him and he thinks he's dead and Batman loses his mind. He takes the kid who's, who's barely alive to a, to a backstreet surgeon to try and resuscitate him and he goes after these crooks. And this is a Batman-driven, like... Like after Jason Todd died, that level of almost psychopathic rage. And you see the criminal saying, he's not a man, he's a monster, he's a machine, he's terrifying, let's get out of his way. And you see that figure of the night that we see now, way back then. And you see Batman taking three bullets to his body and still carries on fighting. So the crooks end up giving up and letting him take him, take him in and confess and that reading that story and it's no less powerful rereading it now i thought that is batman that is the batman we have now and it was done in 1940 perfectly have you read that story it sounds familiar but i don't think i've actually read it magic um what, where do you have it reprinted? Uh, at the end of the show, when we finish, I'll let you know which book it's in because it's okay. still one of my all-time favorite Batman stories because it is, like you say, the blueprint, the DNA of the character we have right now. It's magic. Is that a so, Goldfinger yeah. story? <laughs> Almost definitely. <laughs> it's, it's a book, uh, it sounds it's, like it's it would have to be. It sounds art. like it's... The Case of the Honest Crook, writer Bill Finger, artist Bob Kane, yes. Batman 5, 1941. It's in this book. Okay. Um, okay. That's a newer, is that a newer Alex Ross cover or is that the original cover? Because it's, it's for the some reason. It's the edition of uh, Great Dance, we've ever told, yeah. 
oh, well, then I've got it then, because I've got the original hardcover from 1980-whatever. No, this is a 2000s one. It's completely different no? stories. Yeah. Is it? 2000s book, yeah. Uh, 2000 and... God, should have a publication date in it, surely. But this is a 2000, because it, it even goes as as, as far as um, Grant Morrison's run. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Um, oh, well, I guess that's another... But that's in another, it. Yeah. Another tome to track down. It's just... Batman, the greatest story ever told. It's it's fantastic, but there's like been ten of those. But this is a new one, <laughs> and they don't repeat any of the stories from the others. And Batman number okay. five's in there. It's brilliant. Okay, something to track down then. Well, uh, something we didn't really get to talk about earlier, even though it came up uh, a couple times in passing, was uh, Julie Madison. Julie Madison yes, is the, the first Batman's the original girlfriend, and she's introduced pretty early, if I remember correctly. The first couple. Yeah stories yes indeed. I, i'm Absolutely. not i'm not reading now but but then she plays a fairly large role in the mad monk story if i remember mm-hmm. correctly or is that a, isn't she a kidnapped yeah, or whatever and taken to yes, she is somewhere in europe very similar to bram stoker's dracula with the girlfriend's like the focus of the mad monk and yeah and, uh, yeah he wants to take her and corrupt her and hypnotize her and everything else and batman saves the day and it's that classic thing where the girlfriend starts to fall in love with batman even though she's going out with bruce wayne and I love that kind of stuff. The Madison Chase character in Batman Forever's got a similar um, backstory and this similar thing where she she falls for Batman, but um, it, it's Bruce she ends up wanting to be with. And and Judy Madison's the character that Elmer Furson plays in Batman and Robin, isn't she? Yeah. Isn't that Judy yeah. Madison? Yeah. yeah. So I thought it that is. was a lovely touch. That's one of the only decent things about that film. <laughs> <laughs> I once read a uh, Batman treatment from the 80s by Tom Mankiewicz, and that whole that whole bit at the beginning with the spaceship and everything was the finale of that movie. What? Yeah. Wow. So that's a guy who read his comics then. Yeah. The end of that movie. That's yeah. what they used in the beginning of Batman and Robin. That's where that came. That's where they got that idea from. And I read that years ago. I can't remember where I read it, but I read the whole outline of the film and everything. And remember getting to the end. And then when I saw that movie, I was like, I've read this before. I know where this is from. (laughs) Wow. It was funny. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. If you go try and try that down online, I want to read that now. (laughs) I'm going to have to try to find that. I have to try to figure out where I read that. I don't remember where it was, if it was in the back of a uh, a Batman comic or some other publication. I just don't remember. It's been so long. But it stayed with me. It was it was different enough that, you know, that was a that was a time when I think there had not been a Batman movie made yet. And people were still just chomping at the bit for a, a good, you know, modern Batman film. This is predating the Bob Kane treatment. The Bob Kane movie treatment is at the back of the Batman, the definitive history uh, volume from insight. That's, that's lovely. That's really lovely as well. I'll I'll try and get you a copy of that. Okay. Okay. But um, yeah, that's, that's pretty impressive too. And he was uh, actually passing that around around about the time Tim Burton made Batman 89. So yeah, Bob Kane wrote a Batman movie treatment and that's the one that Adam West wanted to, to do. Oh, that's right. I remember that. Yeah. Wow. 
Can you imagine that? <laughs> that would have been interesting, to say the least. <laughs> well, what else do you want to add about the Golden Age Batman? What else have we, what have we not touched on you think is significant for for listeners that are not familiar with the character like like we are? Well, we both I think know that that he is to all intents and purposes the the essence is the character we know and love, but we've talked about Jim Gordon, we've talked about Alfred, we've even talked about Julie Madison briefly, but the one character who's virtually unchanged even now as an adult is the original Robin, is Dick Grayson, and uh, I mean the fact that he was Robin for forty years real time. <laughs> Um, says everything to me. The original teen sidekick, the first, the original, the best. And he is still that character today. Through losing his memory, through whatever else, the essence, the true hero inside him, the man that Bruce Wayne saved is there. And I think it would be remiss not to mention him briefly before we wrap up. You know, that's an excellent point. I was really focusing a little bit more on the the very original stories and things that have changed massively, I guess, or had significant changes. Yes. But, but yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I, we, I mean, Dick Grayson's been one of my favorite characters for of all time for years. Absolutely. Because, because, because he's one of those characters that even in uh, regular continuity has grown up. He's experienced real life one of changes. The very few. Yeah. Very few. And yeah. And, I mean, it's one thing to see it happen on Earth, too, but to see it happen in the main continuity and strike out on his own as Nightwing in the 80s, that was just – uh, it really was. And then uh, to see him come back as Batman after uh, Nightfall and, and be Batman for a little while and then come back and be Batman again for a little while after <laughs> – after, And a very after different Batman yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that – yeah, he's he's one of my favorite characters because of those things. Because he, you make a great point. He, the essence of him is there, but we get to see how that character reacts to real life situations, yes. you know. And we do see him grow and 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 become an adult. He's not, you know, twelve years old anymore, but he's learned all those lessons by the time he's, yeah. you know, Nightwing and the teen in the Titans, Teen Titans, as a you know, as a young man, he's learned all those lessons and he's he's Batman light Batman Jr. Because he's just as, you know, smart and he's got all the detective skills and the foresight for all the planning and stuff. It all makes sense. But he's also like everybody's friend, yeah. you know, you know, he's think, the center of the DC universe for me, Dick Grayson, the yeah. very center, because he's grown up with Bruce and Clark. He's learned the best of both of them. He's all the ability of Batman but none of the angst and darkness, all the positivity and hope of Superman, but without the tragic loss of his entire race. He's like the one true blue born and bred from the inside hero of the DC universe. And for that, I'll love him forever. I'm sure, you know, the uh, teen Titan story, uh, who was, uh, who was Donna Troy. Yes. Fantastic. Or who was wonder girl. Yeah. 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 I was like, which one is it? But, it's both because obviously there's a pre-crisis yeah. and then the crisis changed it because Wonder Woman didn't exist and they had to totally write Donna Troy's origin. Yeah, I'm thinking of the original one and yeah. I can't remember the story is who is Wonder Girl. I think it's who is Wonder Girl and, and uh, it's all about 
Dick giving Donna that wedding gift by saying, I'm going to find out who you are. I mean, that just to me says, even though it's a story about Donna, it's just as much a story about Dick Grayson and the kind of person you get that, that empathetic uh, sense from him. But at the same time, you get all of the detective skills yes. that he requires to, to solve the mystery. You know, I'd say that's there from the forties in the stories we've reread. It's there from the beginning. Yeah, it really is. That's uh, he's excellent. Well done, sir. Well done. Well done. <laughs> I live to serve. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So how do you feel about that? Anything else you think we could add to peak? Um, because I'd like to I mean, add the f- f- one thing. And it's a thank you to you, Matt, for bringing this show on the air and talking about comics that so many people would never have heard of or imagined. But they're so important because we wouldn't have what we have today. You're Terry and the Pirates. I mean, so many people quote Milton Kniff as one of the greatest, most influential creators in all of comics. But you've, with that show, told us why. And that's vitally important because I do believe that us as fans have got a responsibility to show new fans where the greatness of comics came from, the stuff that they love now, where it came from. And thank you for that. And thank you for inviting me on your show. It's been an absolute blast. Thank you so much. Well, I really appreciate that. Thank you. And I could, I could probably, we could probably sit here all night and, and talk comic books because i can see as we're talking it yeah. just keeps going here and there and it's like wait a minute let me bring this back to batman for a minute but yeah i think yeah. uh I, I i really appreciate that that's that's exactly why i, I enjoy talking about old comics is not just because i love them but because it's important to see where things came from just like anything in, in, yeah. in history whether you're looking at art history or you know just history of the world social history history of literature you know all those things matter to see what 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 builds on so i i really appreciate that thank you very much and i'm i'm happy to be able to talk about something something i love so steve where can people find you when they want to talk about stuff they love run hide i'm everywhere (laughs) (laughs) it feels like that sometimes um you can catch my writing on dc comics news and dark knight news and of course on my own website fantastic universe is the easiest way to do that is just to type in steve j ray or fantastic universes into your search engine of choice for podcasts um like yourself, Matt, I'm part of the Comics in Motion family with the Superheroes for Dummy shows with my buddies Paul and Dan and my son Adam who mixes and, and edits the show. But also with DC Comics News, I'm on the weekly news podcast most weeks. I'm occasionally on the Mad Love Harley Quinn cast, which is a subject very close to your heart. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and the weekly show, I Am the Night with my son, where we talk uh, about Batman the Animated Series every week and break down episodes of that legendary TV show, which again, looks back at even the classic 40s Batman in a brand new way, and we love it so much. But uh, on TV social show. media, chat to me on Twitter at E-L underscore S-T-E-E-V-O-L Stevo. Uh, Matt, thank you. Thank you, Steve. I'm so glad I got to have you as my first guest, uh, as having a guest. Uh, I'm, I'm, I plan on having more guests, and I've already lined up another one. So thank you so much for doing this and helping me uh, launch the uh, launch the show i really appreciate your help and appreciate getting the chance to talk to you 
pleasure. If you, if, when, if you get to force it and the original Captain Marvel, and if you get to um, Superman and, and chatting about Earth 2 and Crisis, give me a shout. I'll, I'll come <laughs> run. <laughs> that gives me a great idea. <laughs> Charlton Comics and um, Watchmen. That's one okay. to talk about. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Getting your getting your, your hints in early, I see. <laughs> That's the way I roll. All right, Steve, thank you so much. And I hope you have a great night. Uh, what's left of it, at least. Uh, you're, you're a few hours ahead of me. But <laughs> it's, um, it's tomorrow now over here. Oh, is it? It's 12.30 on Wednesday here. So. Okay. <laughs> but it's been a blast. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Next episode is going to be a little different. Instead of selecting something on my own, I received a, uh, a book from my LCS owner to, uh, to take a look at. He uh, knows how much I enjoy old comics, and he said, why don't you go home and, and read this? So I am. And it's going to be a show on a character called Catman. Now, obviously, this is not the DC Comics villain, but it is a character from another Golden Age publisher that you're probably not familiar with. So, join me next time for Catman. And, as I promised Steve, I've got a special recording at the end of this episode. To the Batcave! <laughs>